The book of Deuteronomy chapter 14 and verse 27. Wasn't that a great Bible study by Bishop Myers? How many of you enjoyed that? That was awesome. Deuteronomy 14, 27 and 28. And the Levite that is within thy gates, thou shalt not forsake him. For he hath no part nor inheritance with thee. At the end of three years, thou shalt bring forth all the tithe of thine increase the same year and shalt lay it up within thy gates. Everybody say, thy gates. You should pay tithes at your local church. Not my sermon, I just threw that in for free. Verse 29, and the Levite, because he hath no part nor inheritance with thee, and the stranger, and the fatherless, and the widow, which are within thy gates, shall come and shall eat and be satisfied, that the Lord thy God may bless thee in all the work of thine hand which thou doest. If you look over two chapters to the 16th chapter, in verse 11, it says, And thou shalt rejoice before the Lord thy God, thou and thy son, and thy daughter, and thy manservant, and thy maidservant, and the Levite that is within thy gates, and the stranger, and the fatherless, and the widow that are among you, in the place which the Lord thy God hath chosen to place his name there. Aren't you glad the Lord chose to place his name? Wow. I want to speak this morning on this subject, the inheritance of the fatherless. The inheritance of the fatherless. Would you bow your heads and pray? Lord, we are thankful for your presence that we feel here in such a powerful way. Thankful for your word that leads us and guides us. Thankful for your love and mercy that reaches out to all of us regardless of our background, regardless of who our parents or grandparents were, Lord. You're a, you're a father to the fatherless. You're our strength and our hope. I ask you, Lord, that you would bless all those that have gathered here today, but perhaps even those that may be watching by internet, I pray that they would feel your presence and your love. And I ask you, God, that you would anoint your messenger today. Allow us to leave this place changed by the power and by your presence of God Almighty. Everybody said in Jesus' name. You may be seated. Thank you so much for standing. The inspiration for this message comes from a person that I admire very much that uh, was talking with and they, they said that they didn't think they would be going to service on Father's Day in their, in their own local church. And I thought it sounded peculiar because I know of their commitment and their faithfulness to the house of God. And um, so when I inquired a little bit more about that, they said, well, it's, it's just too painful to be in church on Father's Day because my father is not uh, living for God. And uh, they went on to say, it's almost like I don't have a father and it's too painful for me to go to church on Father's Day. They feel like they do not have a spiritual inheritance because their father is not living for God. I want to say here today to everyone that may feel that way, this message is for you today. To fully understand the inheritance of the fatherless, you have to understand the inheritance of the Levites because they were often grouped together in Scripture. Deuteronomy 14, Deuteronomy 16, Deuteronomy 26. The tribe of the Levi received no inheritance. Joshua 13 reveals this in, in more than one verse, but if we just looked at verse 33, it says, But unto the tribe of Levi, Moses gave not any inheritance. The Lord God of Israel was their inheritance, as he said unto them. They did not receive the same inheritance that the other tribes did as it related to the land. But they had a different kind of inheritance. It says the Lord God of Israel was their inheritance. Now I'm sure there were some of that family or that tribe that's, that felt sort of ripped off with that conclusion. If you were to take this into a family scenario and there was one child that was singled out to not get anything, they would feel ripped off and you could say, well, I'm giving all of my possessions to everyone else, but for you, 
You're not getting any possessions, but I really do love you the most. Well, that may sound good, but I'd like to see it materialized with something I get my arms around. This one tribe, this tribe of Levi, out of the 12, they, they were given no inheritance. Except this inheritance of something that was completely separate and different. Their inheritance was God himself. But the question that we must ask ourselves today is, why? Why was the tribe of Levi from that that the priesthood came out of? Why was the tribe of Levi cut out from a natural inheritance? Well, Levi was one of Jacob's sons. As you well know, Jacob had 12 sons, and the 12 sons became the 12 tribes of Israel. And the first real picture that you get of this tribe as it relates to the father of the tribe, the man whose name was Levi, we read about it in Genesis chapter 34. Apparently, Jacob had a daughter whose name was Dinah. She goes out to visit Canaanites, and while she's out there, a prince sees her, likes her, takes her, and has relations with her. And it appears from Scripture that the relationship was not consensual. Well, the news comes back to Jacob's family, and she's got 12 brothers, and they're all warriors. And everybody is really upset about it all. And, uh, well, as you can imagine, I'm sure they had a family meeting and uh, they all probably declared that they could get their hands on this guy. They'd kill him and scalp him or whatever they did in those days. And, but it appears that the prince of this Canaanite community was not deterred. He still uh, wanted to pursue Dinah. And so he came and he no doubt had some sort of a security team with him when he came and uh, met with Jacob, her dad, and made a deal with Jacob. And said, I, I really do love your daughter, and I want her to come and, and to be my wife, and I'll do whatever it takes. You know how guys say a lot of things to their future father-in-laws. And so Jacob and apparently most of the sons came to agreement that, yes, she could go and marry this prince if, if all of the Canaanite males of this particular community, if they were all circumcised. And the prince agrees to that. I don't know that all the males in the community agreed to that. But apparently the prince spoke and for all of them and they had to obey him. So Jacob, the father, was happy with this plan. He thought, well, they're trying to make things right. And he realized that maybe there was uh, some sort of a future here. Well, in the meantime, you have two sons of Jacob, two guys by the name of Levi and Simeon. And they hatch a plan sort of on the side. It's not an official family plan. It's a sort of a brothers, we're going to get revenge plan. And they're outright outraged by this, and they're not willing to come to some sort of an agreement. And they say, this is not the way it should be, and we're not happy with this. And so while all the men in the community are healing up from their process of circumcision, Levi and Simeon go and attack the city and kill all the males in this community. So here we have this first little picture of the character Levi. He takes the sword and he avenges and kills. And Jacob the father is very upset about it because he had entered into an agreement with these people and his honor had been put on the line in his name and everything. And now he's got these two sons that have gone and gotten revenge and murdered these people. And so when you get to Genesis chapter 49, when Jacob now is on his deathbed and he calls all of his sons together and he's going to give a blessing out to all of them. It appears now that Jacob is about to die, but it also appears that Jacob has never forgotten what Levi and Simeon did. And apparently even never forgiven them. Because in Genesis 49 and 5, as all of these blessings are going out to all of these sons, he says, Simeon and Levi are brethren. Instruments of cruelty are in their habitations. Verse 7 says, Cursed be their anger, for it was fierce, and their wrath, for it was cruel. I will divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. So that's not probably the blessing that these two brothers thought they were going to receive when they gathered around their dying father. 
All of the other brothers got a blessing. But these guys actually get a curse from their father. They're going to be divided and they're going to be scattered. So when you and I look at their origins, there is nothing really there to be attracted to in those early years. For Levi to declare that God had something for his family doesn't appear there's any evidence. There's hatred, there's revenge, there's murder, there's cursing. Nothing to indicate that God has anything special for this group. The first real glimpse that you have of, of any real seed of faith that is actually planted in this tribe, we read about in Exodus chapter 32. Moses comes down from Mount Sinai. Children of Israel are now in the wilderness. Moses has been up on the mountain for 40 days. He has the Ten Commandments in his hand. As he comes down, the children of Israel have fallen off the wagon. They have gone back to worshiping the gods of Egypt. And so, as they have thrown all their gold into this fire and, and this golden calf is designed, they, they worship in him. And as Moses gets on the edge of the city, he can see and hear. And obviously, this was very traumatic. He has the Ten Commandments in his hand. He has to go down there and confront what is going on. In verse 26, we read, when, Then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Who is on the Lord's side? Let him come unto me. I mean, this is a line of debarkation. This is Moses with the Ten Commandments coming out of the presence of God and some sort of a debauchery party going on with a golden calf in the camp of Israel. So a line is drawn literally in the sand, in the desert. Who is on the Lord's side? Let him come unto me. And all the sons of Levi. Everybody say all. All the sons of Levi gathered themselves together unto him. Oh, my friend, there are certain times in your life when you stand at a crossroad. And if you will make a decision, I don't care what your background is, how many mistakes you've made. If you will make a decision, I am on the Lord's side. This may not be popular with my friends. It may not be popular with my family, but I'm making up my mind. I'm going to stand on the side of righteousness. Doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It wasn't just these guys stepping over the line in the sand. Verse 27 continues the narrative, and he said unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Put every man his sword by his side. Go in and out from gate to gate throughout the camp. Slay every man his brother, and every man his companion, and every man his neighbor. And the children of Levi did according to the word of Moses, and 3,000 men died that day. Let me just say this for what it's worth. Righteousness will always require a price. The tribe of Levi, for the first time, shows that they want to be on the Lord's side and they gather themselves to Moses. Unfortunately, they got to do the hard tasks. They have to take the sword and they have to kill their brethren. Yet in verse 29, it says that God is now going to bless them. So here we see that from this moment on, they are singled out. From the time that they show a glimpse of faith in God, he has something very special for this tribe. When I thought about this, I, I thought this is so true of us, all of us that are in the family of humanity. Matters not what language you speak or the color of your skin. We're all from the same tribe and family called humanity. And all of us come from very auspicious beginnings. Our beginnings are not good. We have a curse on our flesh. We have a fallen nature. We are born in sin and shaped in iniquity. And many of us have compounded that by the mistakes of our youth. But I come today to declare to this great congregation of apostolic Pentecostal, the tribe of Levi. There is a God that if you will make up in your mind that regardless of what's in my past, I choose the things of God. There is an inheritance for you. There 
there is a blessing for you. There is a God that will open the windows of heaven unto you. All it takes is a decision in a moment. Just a glimpse of faith and immediately we are propelled into something which is entirely new. God has something in store. God has a blessing from even those that begin with this wretched start. There's now this glorious end that's in sight. God begins to give a blessing to Levi, and it's much different from all the other tribes. We continue to read about this in Deuteronomy chapter 10 and verse 8. At that time, the Lord separated the tribe of Levi. Now watch what happens. They don't get the land. They don't get all the natural possessions, but watch what happens. It says, first of all, that he separated the tribe of Levi. Some people want to experience the presence of God, but then they want to experience all the world at the same time. It can't happen. You can't have the golden calf and the Ten Commandments. You got to choose this day whom you're going to serve. He says, I'm going I'm to take this tribe and I'm going to separate them unto myself. We're not like everybody else. We shouldn't try to be like everybody else. We are a called out people. We are a chosen people. We are a royal priesthood. Jesus. And here's why the tribe of Levi is called out. To bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord. To stand before the Lord to minister unto him. And to bless in his name unto this day. Everybody say unto this day. Again, we talked about this last week. There's no statute of limitations on this. This is an everlasting covenant. Unto this day. You're called out. The Lord's separating them because you're going to bear the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. Now, it's, it's important that you look at the word bear because they are going to not only be in the presence of God. Now, they didn't have the Holy Ghost in those days like we do today where you're in filth. But the Ark of the Covenant was a representation of the presence of God. But he said, you're going to have to bear the Ark of the Covenant. There's a price that has to be paid to be in the presence of God. You can't just walk in and out of the presence of God and say, whoa, that was good. I got my glory bumps. I feel good. I'm going to go back to living like the devil. You've got to make up in your mind there's a responsibility that goes with the presence of God. David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of God. You can't just walk into the Holy of Holies with all of your nastiness on. You've got to say, God, I'm preparing myself. I'm going to pray before I get to church. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to be in your presence. And bear the ark of the covenant. People don't want to hear this kind of preaching. Want easy salvation. You just kind of do what you want to. But there's a responsibility. There's a load that has to be carried. Then he said, you're going to stand before the Lord to minister unto him. And to bless in his name unto this day. Wherefore, Levi hath no part nor inheritance with, with his brethren. The Lord is his inheritance. Here it is again. According as the Lord thy God promised him. What the Lord is saying in this particular passage is that he's going to bestow a blessing on this tribe. And this is what he actually did. He separated them. He says they're separated to bear the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. So in other words, they're... Their first calling, really, was to carry the holiness and the presence of God. For those of you that think that we're outdated because we still believe in a standard of holiness, you need to go back and read your Bible. It all started, and the covenant is unto this day. You don't want to hear this kind of preaching. So he said they were separated to bear the ark. Their first responsibility before they declared it. Everybody wants to say Jesus, Jesus. But the Lord said, everybody that calls me Jesus, I don't know. They're going to claim that I'm. But you know what? The very first thing before you ever get up under the ark, before you ever declare his name and minister, you've got to make up in your mind, I'm a called out person. I'm not afraid to stand for righteousness. Even if it's not popular, I'm making up in my mind. I'm going to follow the principles of God's Word. That was their first assignment. 
they were singled out for this task. And here's what I love about this. <laughs> Woo, I love that word. They were the only ones that could touch the ark. And years later, Israel was not wandering around the wilderness. Now they were a strong nation, the most powerful nation in the world. David was their king. Jerusalem was their capital. David said, I'm a worshiper. Where's the Ark of the Covenant? They've got to go down there and find it. It's down there in Kirjath, Jerim, and Abinadab's garage. Go, go get it out. We'll send some good guys down. Us and all some guys, strong guys, go down there and pull it out. And then they're pulling it out, and the Ark's bouncing around. and starts to fall, and Uzzah puts his hand up on the Ark, and God smites him dead. They say, wait. Somebody pulls out their cell phone and calls Jerusalem and says, David, we lost Uzzah. He said, hold everything. we got to go back and study the law. they got to go back and find the law because God said, wait a second, just because you're powerful now, just because you're a great nation now, just because you're not in the wilderness anymore, doesn't mean that my contract has changed. Come on, America. Just because you're blessed now doesn't mean you ought to forsake your Christian Judeo roots. Just because you're a wealthy nation, we still need God in this country. We still need God in our school. We need God in our families. The contract has not changed. Somebody's got to get back to the book. Somebody's got to get back to what's important to God. If it's important to God, it ought to be important to us. Sorry, I didn't mean to get on all that. It's not in my notes. Told him on Wednesday night, but I reserve the right to get anointed. So David says, wait a second. Apparently, only the Levites can carry the ark. The Levites? Yeah. Well, send all them down there. I got to have this ark up in here. David, this is another whole sermon. I don't have time to go into this. David was trying to do a righteous thing in the wrong way. Sometimes you can do a righteous thing in the wrong way. <laughs> Ooh, I just had a pastoral spirit come up on me right there. I, I shook it off. <laughs> so the inheritance that the tribe of Levi is getting is not one of land. It's a holy inheritance. It's not natural blessings, it's spiritual blessings. It's not possessions, it's the presence of God. It's not success in man's estimation, it is set apart unto God's good pleasure. Can I say this today? You may not have two nickels to rub together, but if you know what it is to stand in the presence of a holy, mighty God, you have a great inheritance if you know the joy and the power of declaring the name of Jesus. They were to carry the holiness. They were to be bearers of the presence of God. They were to stand before the Lord to minister to him and to bless his name. So their calling was one of ministering. They would represent all of the other tribes before God in the sanctuary, which was a very high calling. Don't ever think God can't use you because of your background. God can use anybody. This was a high calling. And they were there on behalf of others. Now, I know I'm blessed. I've got a, a great spiritual, natural father. But I know not everybody's blessed like that. But here's one thing that's common to all of us. We have a great spiritual father. You may not feel comfortable in the house of God on Father's Day. Maybe some of you just push through it. And you came to the house of God today anyhow. But I'm going to tell you something. You did the right thing by coming to church today. Because part of your assignment is to stand in the place of others that are not here. We got to get rid of this mentality that we go to church for ourselves. You go to church, sometimes you got to stand in intercession for somebody else and say, my dad's not here, my mom's not here, my kids aren't here, my grand but here I am. I'm standing in the presence of a holy God and I am here to bless his name and to declare his glory. 
I got to hurry. Give me five more minutes. And then in number 16, we see that Korah, who's of the tribe of Levi, he rises up against Moses and challenges his authority and says, we're as spiritual as you are. We go to church as much as you do. Who do you think you are? You're taking a lot on yourself. God didn't take too kind to this. <laughs> he made it personal. Oh, let me tell you something. This is why you need to wrap yourself up in the name of Jesus. Do you know how sometimes when people are upset with you, they'll try to attack you through your children? And you don't take too kindly to it? Jesus is the same way. When you wrap yourself up in the name of Jesus and the devil tries to come and attack your family and your finances and your health, he takes it personal. That's my child. How do you know that? Because they've been buried in my name. They stand in my presence and they declare my name. They've been baptized in the name of Jesus. They have taken on the identity of their father. Jesus. So they had a whole whose side are you on deal and wicked folks all gathered together in the door of Kor's tent and, and the earth opened up. And swallow them. That's one way to end a rebellion. You've heard of a scorched earth policy. <laughs> yeah. God had an opened earth policy. But now all of these sons of Korah are now fatherless. And Korah was Levi's great grandson. And they've had to outlive Levi's legacy. And now they got to deal with Korah's legacy. So they're now without fathers. But again, maybe it's the mercy and love of God. But they make a decision to get back to where their blessing came from. Good God, apostolics, you got to get back to where God first blessed you. And they say, we're called to minister to the Lord, to worship in his name. So in 1 Chronicles 6, 19, it starts to declare all of these, all of these people and says, I don't want to go through all these names, but these are the families of the Levites, according to their fathers, the Gershon, Libyan, and Nehath, and Jimna, his son, and Joah, and Edom, and Zerah, and Zachariah, and the sons of Kohath, and Minadab, his son, and Korah. It goes on and on. It's all of these names. And they're all the family of the Levites. Oh, and then when you get down, they're, they're in the days of Israel being blessed. David is a man after God's own heart. He's the king. He sends the Levites down there to get the ark. The ark comes up, and he gathers all of the families together. One thing David found out was, when you find out what pleases God, stay with it. Good God, that's another sermon right there. I hope you guys are taking notes. I'm giving you all lots of sermons this morning. Preach these in Haiti. Then you get to verse, you get to verse 31. And after all of these names are there, and all of these tribes of Levi, and it says, and these are they whom David set over the service of song in the house of the Lord. This became David's music department. There wasn't a bunch of, and, and I apologize because this is not our music department at all, but I'm just preaching for people out of town. <laughs> There wasn't a bunch of people in the music department saying, well, I sang a solo a whole long time. Central Legion God used me up front, and I'm not going to get it. I'm going to quit. That's not what I'm seeing in this crowd. Y'all got quiet right there, didn't you? I said, and I didn't mean nothing. This is the greatest group of singers right here you'd ever have. You could tell they're anointed. But I have traveled a lot, been in a lot of other churches. And sometimes you can stand in the presence of God and stand on the platform so long that you think you're beyond rebuke. There's, see, that, that spirit come up on me again. Y'all must not be living right or something. <laughs> I'm trying to encourage people. I don't know how I'm getting off in all this. So David puts them in charge of the music department. 
They're over the service of song in the house of the Lord. After that, the ark had rest. I mean, they all brought the ark. And their sweat bringing it up from Kirjajira. They dropped it. I'm sure they were more careful. They dropped it in Jerusalem. And David sends his messenger and says, okay, all you guys come over here now. I got some more work for y'all to do. I'm tired. Every time I go to church, they want me doing something. They want me working in the parking lot. I got to go out here. I got to move this and that. I got to clean bathroom. I'm tired. I just want to go to church. You need to get back to your Bible. It come up on me again right there. Did y'all feel that? <laughs> so sorry. I don't mean to. I'm trying to preach a Father's Day message here. Verse 32, and they ministered before the dwelling place of the tabernacle of the congregation with singing until Solomon had built the house of the Lord in Jerusalem. And there, and then they waited on their office according to their order. I'm tired of the devil telling people, you've sinned this week. You better not go down to church and lift your hands and worship God. You're going to be the biggest hypocrite. People will come down there and think, and you know, I know what you're they saying. The devil sit up there and holler at you all week long. You need to tell them if there's ever been a time I need to go to the house of the Lord. It's my inheritance to sing the praises of God. You ought to sing at home. You ought to sing in your car. You ought to sing on your job. It is part of the inheritance of the fatherless and the tribe of Levi to make a joyful noise unto my God. Anybody can praise him. I'm hurrying. So Psalms 84, and some of your Bibles it says it. It's literally a Psalms written to the sons of Korah. And you read all down through 84, it's powerful. It's David literally addressing this very issue with these sons that are fatherless. But yet, they have a special place in the presence of a spiritual father. And he goes through all of this in Psalms 84, and he gets to verse 10. You can just hear it crescendoing. For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. The reason David adds that phrase is because the men that came unto Moses gathered, the Bible says, in the door of the tent of Korah. He said, but if you're just in the house of God one day, they hadn't built the big tabernacle yet. Solomon would do that. It was still the tabernacle of praise. It wasn't the big Solomon's temple that was going to be one of the wonders of the world. But David said, I'm going to have a place that's dedicated to praise unto my God. And so he built a tabernacle and the Levites are down there and there's times they were discouraged. There are times that they were tired of people talking about it. But David said, I want to tell you something, sons of Korah, it's better to be in the house of God one day than to be a doorkeeper, to just be around his glory, to just be on the peripheral of what God is doing, than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. Suffice it to say they found a father when they became committed to the house of God and the things of God. And regardless of who your natural father is, you find a father when you dedicate yourself to the things of God and the house of God. God will give you blessings that are exclusive to you, that are just for you. You'll always be covered. You'll always be provided for if you just dwell in the tabernacle. If you just dwell in the tabernacle. What do, you, what do I got to do to get this inheritance? Just dwell in the tabernacle. Come into his presence with singing. Come into his presence with thanksgiving. Into his courts with praise. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Oh, it's going to just be another Sunday. No, it's not. It's another opportunity to declare my inheritance by blessing the name of the Lord. It's another time to remind the devil I don't belong to him. I belong to a holy God. I've got an inheritance. All right, here we go. Not only did they have this special place in the tabernacle, God made provision for the Levites by which when they were not in the sanctuary, 
There were 48 cities that were provided for them. Every tribe had to give up a certain amount of cities by which the Levites, when they were not ministering to God, would come back to. When they came back to these cities, they were to bless the people which they had been standing before God for. God didn't call us for us all to just be churchgoers. We're supposed to go out into the community and the highways and the byways. They were taking the presence of God back into their communities. So this was their twofold ministry to come into his house and worship and to minister back in their communities. And of those 48 cities, six of those cities were cities of refuge, which the Israelites could flee to if they had accidentally killed someone or something had been done and somebody was after them. They could spread. They could go into one of these six cities. They'd find the one that was closest to them. They were called cities of refuge. They would flee to the nearest one and they they could get a decent hearing there. There wouldn't be, you know, just a mod squad that would put them out. There would be some kind of a due process. And so when the Levites were not serving God in the temple, they went back and they were raising crops and flocks and all these cities. But really for them, everything concerned God. And they were put in charge of the cities of refuge. They were put in charge of making sure people that had got in trouble had safe passage. If there ought to be any place that people feel safe, It ought to be in the house of God. But not just the house of God. It ought to be in the presence of somebody that has a revelation of their inheritance from God. So that when they come to you, I don't care if they're tattooed up from head to toe and got piercings that smell like alcohol. All they need is one opportunity and one moment to say, I'm on the Lord's side and God will move heaven and earth. People ought to feel safe among Christians. They ought to feel safe in church. It ought to be a city of refuge. And you can't get a higher call and you can't get a better inheritance than to represent God before man. To declare his name. What does all that mean for you and I? We, like the tribe of Levi, had terrible beginnings. And all of us, I'm sure, have done things that we're not proud of. But all it takes is a little seed of faith and a looking toward God. And God showers you with blessings. Sometimes I know it doesn't feel like a shower. It may just feel like a sprinkle. Deuteronomy 24, 19 says, When thou cuttest down thine harvest in thy field and hast forgot a sheath of the field, thou shalt not go again to fetch it. It shall be for the stranger, for the fatherless, for the widow, that the Lord thy God may bless thee in all the work of thine hands when thou beatest thine olives. Sometimes you feel that way. You're just getting the scraps. Everybody else has gotten a, they've gotten a good allotment. Everybody else has got a, a big portion. They... Everybody else got blessed. And I'm cursed. What happened to me? Sometimes it's easy to feel that way. You didn't get the right portion. We feel like the tribe of Levi. Instead of a blessing, we got a curse. Some people are just born slim and trim, can eat whatever they want to. They just always look good, and I hate those people. I really do. Because they'll rub it in your face. I just had two cheeseburgers. Six donuts. I'm like, what happened to me? I gained five pounds smelling a cheeseburger. (laughs) There's times you just feel like you're... Your portion wasn't right. You got the scraps. You got a curse. There's a lot of dreams that we've once had that don't seem like it's ever going to come to pass. For many people, they're financial worries. We feel disillusioned by the lot that we have because we're continually plagued by bad health. For some people, it's a bad marriage. For some, it's a partner that that they've lost. And for some people that have never married and remain single and they feel disillusioned with their lot because the things that they really want they don't seem to have they'd really like to be married 
and they're single, there's people that are really married that would really like not to be married. <laughs> like everything seems difficult. We look at other people and they look like they're happy, like they're skipping through tulips. And here we are struggling to make ends meet. Everything seems hard. I've been shortchanged. What kind of an inheritance did I get? Everybody else is blessed. Here I am dealing with this. We go to church and the preacher says, Oh, but you've got God. Somehow Florida Power and Light is not impressed with that. Here's what I want to say to everybody in this house. If you have ever felt the presence of God, been filled with his spirit, felt him wrap his arms of love around you, you've already received your big break in life. I feel like lifting our hands and our voices and taking it right now. Thank you, Lord. You've already blessed me. You've blessed me more than I deserve, God. You've been so good to us, God. You've given us the inheritance of your presence. You've given us the inheritance of your person. We know who Jesus is. You have taken us, God, from a place of cursing and rubbish and anger and hurt. And you have bestowed upon us a blessing that puts us in Christ. Remain standing this morning. Psalm 16 is referred to as a messianic psalms. Really a psalms of prophecy. Verse 5 says, the Lord is the portion of mine inheritance and of my cup. Thou maintainest my lot. Oh my goodness. He not only given it to us, he maintains it. He mows the grass. He fends off the neighbors. He maintains my lot. My portion. Verse 6 says this. The lines are falling upon me in pleasant places. The lines that determine your lot, your portion your inheritance the lines have fallen upon me in pleasant places yay I have a goodly heritage God almighty I will bless the Lord who hath given me counsel my reins also instruct me in the night seasons I have set the Lord always before me. He is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoiceth flesh also shall rest in hope for thou wilt not leave my soul in hell neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption thou wilt show me the path of life in thy presence is fullness of joy good God I feel a shout in this house right hand are pleasures forevermore. 
anybody in this house that's got a praise? Why don't you step out from where you're standing right now? Come on, why don't you declare your inheritance one more time? Said, I'm going to the front. God hath called me for such a time as this. My inheritance, my portion is pleasant. And it has a path and it has a plan. And it's going to start right here today by saying, I will bless the Lord at all times. I will bless the Lord at all times. Come on now, lift your hands and your voices. Come on, lift your hands and your voices. 